0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the camp No. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, joined by Frances Tomas, across the ocean, and we're here again for tbpod.link backslash 45. You can check out our show with the show notes at tbpod.link backslash 45. Another note, if you haven't done so yet or are new to the podcast, we hope you enjoy today's show, and please, after you finish listening, consider subscribing via iTunes, at tvpod.link itunes or other podcasting apps such as stitcher or SoundCloud, or wherever you're currently listening to this show now Frances, before we get to the topics we're going to talk about we're going to be restructuring the show a little bit and i think you have something to say to our listeners
1: yes we are we are restructuring um i've got fantastic news and i've got some news that are not that great but i think i think you'll be happy overall turns out i'm going to be a daddy again so I'm gonna have a baby. If everything goes well, baby should be with us um, next week. Um, by the time you hear the next podcast, hopefully um, I've got my second daughter um, with us and that is fantastic. Obviously, the, as, as many of the dads listening to this uh, will know, um, daddy duties take quite a while. Um, so unfortunately I won't be able to be recording both shows on a weekly basis anymore. I've been discussing with my angel of a wife um, Uh, as to how we can do this and I will still be able to record the one show um, we won't be able to give say on a Wednesday or a Thursday sort of thing but we promise that it will be out in midweek and we will be bringing you the hottest breaking stories as we always have done and that will be in midweek so um, hopefully you're happy for me and you're not too disappointed Um, when the show does come out please share it, please listen in um, please listen to it and please enjoy it I really, I'm very pleased with people who follow us on Twitter and keep retweeting. Uh, Likes are good too, but keep retweeting the messages that we send because they help us grow the podcast that way. Um, Hopefully, we can continue to do that, and I'm very, very grateful for everything that our listeners do. So, you who's listening to this right now, thank you for being there. You really mean the world to us. So, um, because we're only going to have a weekly show, we're going to restructure it a little bit. We've got five different sections that are going to be our recurrent sections. First section is going to be La Pregunta, and in La Pregunta we're going to be covering the key question that is in everyone's mouths at that moment in the week. Second section is going to be La Tabla, and we're going to look at the standings. Um, Obviously, because the show is going to be mid-week, we're going to go back um, to look at the previous two games, so we're going to look at what the team is in terms of Champions League table, if it's the Copa del Rey or anything like that, and definitely the La Liga table. Then we're going to have a new section, which I'm really excited about, which is called La Bolsa. And it will be a little bit like the five stars, but we're going to be comparing players who are trading up and players who are trading down um, in the Barça stock market. Then it's going to be El Kiosco. And in El Kiosco, we're going to be looking at the papers. Kiosco means kiosk. So uh, an off-license, if you're from the UK, uh, that has all the papers and newspapers. And we're going to pick up three to four to five different stories every week to talk about um, in a sort of more quick way. And then a favorite part of the show is La Ronda, which is a quick fire listener questions, uh, which is going to be as we've always done it. So sorry that was a little bit boring, but I thought that it is important to know where we're going with this. So let's get started. In episode 45 of the Barcelona podcast, we're going to be covering La Pregunta, which is should Arnaiz be promoted to Barca's first team? in la tabla dan's gonna break down the different standings and where we are in the liga right now in la bolsa we're going to be talking about players who are trading up and down in el kiosco we're going to talk about the best prices we're going to talk about um, jordi alba and also we're going to mention abel ruiz for a, for a little second and we're going to end the show with our favorite round which is la ronda Quick fire listener questions that you have sent us before the show started the Barcelona podcast, 45, starts right here.
0: And we'll start quick and simple, Frances, with La Pregunta. And you said it. Should Arnaith, after his performance in the 3-0 victory against Real Murcia, and Arnaith, who scored a cracker of a goal, had a nice spin move that was getting the gifs, or gifs, if you will, on Twitter and Facebook and making the social media rounds, had a really good performance. So now the question is, with the next game... That return home leg against Real Murcia on November the 29th, that might not be the next time we see him. Should he be promoted to the first team before that? And I'll let you answer first.
1: Okay, I think I want to pick the question a little bit more. Um, and as you said, Arnaiz was tremendous against Murcia. Um, his Copa del Rey debut was the dream debut that pretty much every player expects and wants. Um, he scored as Alagna, Sandro, Munir, and Dungu did when they started uh, playing for Barça in the Copa del Rey as well. But, you know, I think Arnaiz added something different. He was impressive. He really li- did look at home I- I went all the first teamers around him. Um, obviously, there weren't sort of the world-class stars such as Messi and Suarez, etc. Et but there were regulars in there. And um, Rakitic came in during the second half. Mascherano was playing there mm-hmm. as well. Um, So, yeah, he didn't look out of place, put it that way. Um, Slowly but surely, as uh, our regular listeners know, Al-Renaith is establishing himself as a Barca B star. He's the most promising player in there. In the nine appearances so far this season, he scored four goals and provided three assists. Um, Obviously, he hasn't been at the uh, Barca B squad for that long. He was scouted and signed in the summer from Valladolid by Guillermo Amor, Jose Maria Vaquero, and Pep Segura, um, who signed in for 3.4 million euros. And this is, um, uh, this is a price that, that they paid at the time, but depending on variables, which it looks like he is going to be achieving, like being promoted to the first team, etc., um, that could increase to around uh, about 4.2 million euros altogether. Um, in the Begley team, he's got the confidence from Gerard Lopez, who is the manager, of course, and I'm very happy to say that he's part of the Barca squad, Barca B squad at the moment, um, after rejecting offers from Juventus, Napoli, Betis and even Real Madrid in the summer. So I'm really, really pleased that Arnaith is with us so that we've got a bit of a headache now to work out where he fits.
0: So I guess you answered the question, but didn't answer the question, Frances. So if you had to give a definitive yes or no answer, should he be promoted to the first team, what would be your answer?
1: <laughs> and you're pushing me way too early. Um, I think, I I would say no, to be honest. I would say that he's got a long way to go still. Um, I think that he needs to excel um, at Barca B level before he can come to the first team. Obviously, don't forget that Barca B needs him desperately because without him, um, you know, four goals in nine appearances wouldn't necessarily have happened. So I think yes, um, as and when he can come up and be promoted, I think he should be training with the first team much more regularly than he has done now. But no, I think that he should be, he should be an in-between, you know, and I think probably by the time next season starts, he should be coming up to the first team, undoubtedly. But I would say for now, he needs to stay in Barca B and consolidate himself, getting regular playing time um, as he got in the Copa del Rey. But obviously, even if he was promoted now, so tomorrow morning, he would ne- not necessarily be playing against Atleti de Bilbao over the weekend, um, simply because Luis Suarez, De Olufeo, you know, look, at the, um, look like the starters, that, that should be there. Um, come this weekend, but I think against Murcia, he just got so much better so quickly. Um, he was wearing number thirty-seven, which is um, you know Messi was wearing number thirty when he debuted. Um, Alanya has worn numbers in you know in the same region before, and I thought that that he was he was great. The first half, he wasn't as confident with his you know within his surroundings as he was by the end of it. After the halftime break happened, he just went on to explode in the se- second half. He scored his goal with a superb finish after a great assist from Denis Suarez, who, you know, a bit of an aside here, didn't necessarily have a great game, but he displayed plenty of skill. He was throwing up um, diagonal runs that, you know, rival defenders couldn't do much about. He was very powerful when in possession. He was strong and sturdy. He's not necessarily that tall either, but he really looked like you couldn't get the ball of him when he was um, inspired. He was brave, constantly facing his rivals one-on-one, um, he was very vertical whenever he could, and he could use both feet in order to finish um, and, and pass the ball to wherever was needed. He had plenty of vision, and he expanded the team really well, so he widened in the pitch um, as necessary. He had pace when running into space, and to be honest, he was fresh and purposeful, and he was much more impressive than many of the teammates, that, uh, first-team teammates that he had yesterday and definitely that have been playing under Valverde this season so without a doubt uh, a player that is developing to his potential and beginning to fulfill it.
0: Of all that the thing that impressed me most of course the goal was fun the spin was fun and his diagonal balls were fun but it was his work rate and tracking back on defense that was what made me feel like he was a player that has a A role to play and it was a lot like as we'd compared him in the past to Pedro where Pedro when Barca during the Pep Guardiola years would throw that pressure on Pedro would work hard to get back and to help defend and I saw Arnith on a few occasions get back and intercept balls or put pressure on a defender's back so that a guy like Mascherano who had a good game or Vermelion who had a good game could have the opportunity to step in when the attacker's attention was kind of stuck between two minds and that said i was pushing so hard francis because i wanted to know if we were on the same page or not because i think the answer is is our nath have has he shown at least in the Segunda division or in the copa del rey yesterday if he deserves to be brought up to the first team and the answer i think on talent alone is yes he is a a late bloomer as a talent he's 22 but if you can ask ngola kante of chelsea that Guys can be late bloomers, and that's okay. Guys can find their footing in a professional level when they're 21, 22, 23. They don't have to be teenagers when they come onto the scene and they can develop some of their best talents in their early 20s. Late bloomers don't happen at 25, 26, but still, 22 is, is rather young, and so I would put faith in his talents as to be what they are and to be still growing. And that's where I do agree with you that... When it, even though Denis Suarez didn't have the best game yesterday and Delafeu, who we'll talk about later in on in the show, they didn't really find their footing in certain times this season for Delafeu, is hitting his form, but Denis Suarez isn't. But nevertheless, I think Arnaith is still, with Dembele coming back even, you don't know where he's going to get his minutes. So playing in the second division, which is still a division higher than the league that Real Murcia currently play in, Arnath is getting the experience he needs to have a role in the team and there's a role ready for him. And I think having paid the amount they did, as you had mentioned, 4.3 million euros over the summer. Nope. 3.4 million euros over the summer for him, that that's clearly amount of money for not a second division player, but one who eventually has a role in the first team. So I think just with not enough minutes to go around... He's a guy that I think realistically in the next few weeks until Dembele comes back, I don't think it's a, a, a far-fetched idea to think that Arnaith should get a spot on the bench and may make an occasional substitute appearance, particularly with injuries still to Vidal. And obviously Tehran is not a featured at all, but with injuries to Vidal, I think Arnaith might have a spot, that last spot on the bench, that he might get three minutes, he might get ten minutes in one of those games upcoming in the next month or two until Dembele comes back. So, Frances, I think that wraps it up for our Nath. We both agree that the answer should be promoted to the first team. Not yet, but I think on talent, he has shown that he is worthy of being the first team either by the end of this year or next year. Because, again, you don't want to take a talent away from Barcelona B2 because you want to keep them up in the Segunda division, the same reason that Alenia is not playing for the first team as well. Should we move on to La Tabla?
1: Yeah, before, before we leave Arnaith, I just want to say that um Alanya, after the game, said that he's a hard-working, humble teammate. Juan Carlos, who was a dream team um, star, well, it wasn't really a star, he, he was a dream team squad player uh, back in the 1990s, who was a sporting director at Valladolid, said that he knew that he would make the first team, especially after Neymar left. Um, he loved the fact that he's ambitious, confident in his own skills, and he says he's reserved outside the pitch, but fierce when he's in it. Um, I think that personally, he reminded me, as you mentioned, um, quite a bit of Pedro, but also there was elements of Nolito and even David Villa um, somewhere there. Um, I really do think that, obviously, he's nowhere near them at this point in his career, but with more opportunities, and he's, which I don't doubt is going to happen, plenty of perseverance from his side, a bit of luck, staying healthy, um, and, you know, doing all he can in order to, to to build his future, because at, based on what we saw yesterday and what we have been seeing at barca all season, it's pretty bright, and I'm very, very grateful for him to having chosen Barca over Madrid and all the other teams that he had in the summer, and that he's part of our squad now.
0: Also, another final note is Mark Cucurella, the left-back, also made his debut, the teenager, 19-year-old, in the last 10 minutes or so of the match, along with Elena and... Arnaith. And I would say finally that I would hope that with Real Murcia at the Camp no now, an even more difficult task for them down 3 nothing in the Copa del Rey, that instead of Sergi Roberto and Rakitic coming off the bench in the last few minutes, I'd rather see two more Barca B players, particularly a Carlos Perez or an Oral Busquets, who both trained with the first team leading up to the match but then weren't selected in the match day squad. So I would hope that we see a few more Barca B Players to make their home debut where you'd expect they're going to play even better. And for Arnaith, again, it's not that surprising that he went on the road like that and had a good performance, particularly because if you ever look at a map of Spain, Valladolid is a major club in a big city. So even though they're in the Segunda division, they've been in the top division. They have tons of fans. So he has played in high pressure situations. And so I think that the last note on Arnaith is that that kind of high-pressure situations he's already been in in his career as a regular last year, lead that he's going to have a role to play. Anyway, let's move on to La Tabla. The next one's up, Athletic Bilbao and Olympiacos in La Liga and Champions League, respectively. And for Ernesto Valverde, it's a return to Athletic Bilbao. So I, they don't really say it's an emotional game for a manager, but in a sense, of obviously you'd think that it's one that Valverde would want to win, not just for keeping the place in the Liga table where Barcelona lead even Valencia by four points to top the table, but it's a matter of pride that Valverde would want to go back and, and show that he deserves to have gone that step up from Bilbao to Barcelona. Moving over to the Barca Femini, they're still perfect through six matches and lead the Primera division on goal differential, tied with Atletico Madrid on points. And most impressively from the Barca Femini, even though... Lionel Messi did not win the FIFA Men's Player of the Year. That went to Cristiano Ronaldo. Leke Martens won the FIFA Women's Player of the Year. And that came, the voting ended in August. So obviously that came with the Netherlands title at the Euro 2017. Fresh in voters' minds. Where the 24-year-old had three goals and two assists. And that came after she had just signed for Barca a few weeks prior. So, And clearly, while we've been very critical, and yes, Arnaith is a player who just got brought in by the Barcelona scouts. We've given the men's side of the Barcelona scouts a difficult time, but clearly the female scouts are the ones, or the scouts that are scouting the female players are doing a pretty good job because we've talked about some of the players they brought in, but above all, capturing Martins and capturing the, at the time... The female equivalent of Lionel Messi just shows that the Barca Femini are not a, a team to be trifled with. And they've even advanced in the Champions League recently. So now they're in the round of 16 in that matchup.
1: Yeah, I'm delighted. Um, as I said before, I don't necessarily believe in, in awards like the Ballon d'Or or The Best or you know all of that nonsense. Uh, but it's always great to have a player in a feminine team, uh, hopefully we can have one in a male team as well soon, that um, can win titles like that.
0: And Barca B, meanwhile, just to give you a quick update on them, they haven't played since our last show and they remain in the same spot in the middle, stuck in the middle of that Segunda division, but as we said with players like Elena and Arnaith, those who only watch the first team, got to see that they have some pretty good leaders down there. And you'd expect with the talent they have, particularly when Abariz, who we'll talk about in El Kiasco, when he comes back, they do have the kind of talent to stay up in the Segunda division. It's just getting those points on the road, which has been a difficult thing for Gerard Lopez and his squad. Frances, should we move on to La Bolsa?
1: Right. So very excited to bring the Bolsa, so which is the st- Barca stock market for the first time to our listeners. Um, hopefully this works. Um, please give us... Plenty of comments and um, observations as to whether you think this section is amazing or it is a bit rubbish. Please don't be too harsh because then, you know, our feelings would be very hurt and we may even cry and, you know, quietly on the side. Um, But yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. So trading up this week, we've got obviously Arnaith, Um, because of all the reasons that we described earlier. And uh, I just want to add that it's great to have such a promising young talent in our B team, someone who got 57% of votes in our Twitter poll um, at the Barcelona pod. And if you're not following, I really recommend that you do because I tend to share quite a lot of um, content in there, not just our episodes, but also things that other people keep tweeting. And um, I I am proud to say that I do engage quite a lot with our listeners. Um, Big shout out to Charlie and Kule for Life and NY Kule and, and plenty of people who just engage with us all the time on Twitter. Um, if you're not following, then you're missing out. So please come and join us. So 57% on our Twitter page decided that Arnaith was uh, man of the match and obviously he's there for trading up. Our next player that's trading up is someone who got 24% of the votes for man of the match in the weekend game against Malaga and that is Javier Mascherano. Uh, I think that he was also fantastic um, against Murcia. He proved his worth in both games um, this week. He was his tackling, vision, calmness when driving the ball forward, stamina, experience and positioning uh, are just second to none in world football, you know, I think it is a shame that we haven't invented a potion in order to freeze him sort of Walt Disney style so that he can continue to play with us uh, for the next seven decades. Um, but I think that he still, even though father time is not going to let him go or any of us go um, for that matter, um, he can still do a job whenever it's needed. I think that, as I said in the previous podcast, Piquet and Untiti are ahead of him. But I think that's not very far, particularly when Piquet is not excelling, which seems to be the case lately. Hopefully the week that he's had off um, does help him on as well. And uh, we've got a better Pique um, against Bilbao over the weekend. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And last point our Mascherano, he just takes every game as if it was a World Cup final. You know, he leaves everything he's got on the pitch every time. And we we really admire that. So Mascherano is trading up this week. The third player trading up is Gerardo Lufeo. Um, I was tweeting about it the other day and um, I don't like nicknames, but he's just Mr. Chaos, isn't he? I've, I've come up with the chaotic catalan because everything he does is just so disorganized and so unexpected and so creative that it's actually brilliant but it's also horrendous I, I don't know where we sit but i think that because he brings such unbalance to the team i actually think the team does need him um, he does bring something different that the team just doesn't necessarily have um, and he's very very confident these days uh, he seems to be spurring himself on over the last couple of weeks and he just takes no nonsense and, and tries to drive our defenders pretty much every time. Um, he's capable of the best and the worst. Um, he is unbalancing rival defenses. Like in the, against, in the game against Murcia, he scored a goal and he provided the assists for Paco Alcácer. So, you know, if you're a forward, that's a pretty good return for a game in which you, um, you started. So he's making the best of the chances that he's getting so far. Um sure he's very individualistic and sometimes he's um you know he stumbles upon the ball and, and it's just because of his strength that he gets past defenders but he does so I really think that until Dembele comes back Delofeu should be a starter as we've mentioned before um because of the reasons that I just described so um that is the trading up section of La Bolsa what are your thoughts so far then
0: Yeah I agree with the Delofeu one where I would also add that his goal was a pretty good goal there was a lot to do there and just visually it looked like a Barcelona type goal as just as an individual would have it and then the assist was really really good as well Paco there had a lot to do with the header still but it was one that just curled in right behind the defender and a lot of good stuff for that for Feu I completely agree with you and in my notes what I had written is that he seems to be a player that has to thrive on having confidence and taking on attackers Yet we can't have him be too overconfident because, as you say, he'll just run at defense and lose the ball. So there's a sweet spot with his confidence right in the middle there where he's willing to take on defenders and he's willing to get into things, but yet he's not too overzealous where he's losing the ball constantly and not having much end product. So if he can have that end product and have the confidence to have that final ball, and I think the one thing I would say is that to go back to that Real Murcia match. One of the things that made Arne so impressive was the fact that his final ball in that final third just seemed prepared and ready in a way that Andre Gomez's didn't. And so for Delafeyu, we saw him in a match have a pretty good final ball. Yet in other matches, we've seen Delafeu as we've talked about, that finishing product, whether it's on an assist and a pass in or whether it's taking a shot himself, just doesn't seem to be there. And for Delafeu, I think a final point is that Against a lower tier opponent like Real Murcia, he just kept the ball on his right foot the entire match. The entire match. He was just always going to go on his right foot, try to get to the touchline. And so he has a guy next to him in Lionel Messi, who the entire world knows is always going to put it on his left foot. Always. He's the most left-footed player in the world because he has the best left foot in the world. And yet Lionel Messi always gets it over to his proper foot when he needs to shoot. He always, and of course he can shoot with both feet and he scored tons and tons of goals with his right foot. But the point is, defenders know that they have to stop that left foot and they can't. So for Feu, I would hope, still in his early development of his 20s, that he can learn from Lino Messi before the Argentine moves on how to use his dominant foot, but have the defense understand that they are going to have to respect the left foot as well. And that he can do other things other than just trying to get to the end line. Because his goal even, Frances was scored when he cut in. instead of And the, the defense, after 60-some-odd minutes of him getting to the goal line, instead he cut inward and split two defenders, and that's what freed him up to score the goal that he did. So for Feu, I think it was finally just a breath of fresh air. And your other two, I talked about Mascherano earlier in the week. I agree with that completely. He's in a good run of form right now. And on the other side of things, I thought, obviously, we talked about Arnath, that he has to be the third inclusion in that. So there's a few players trending down, though, Frances, and I'm interested to hear the one you picked.
1: Yes. um, You know, we don't necessarily want to be very negative in this podcast uh, because the world is terrible um, if you look at it in a negative light. So um, I'm trying to limit the trading down section to just one. Um, I think that as done to just mention. Um, there are several candidates that um, could make it every single week, but I think that if we just limit it to one, um, that, that should be plenty. Um, so this week, trading down, and hopefully still far away from bankruptcy, but I don't know where he is, um, is André Gómez. Um, last week, I think two podcasts ago, um, tvpodlink forward slash 43, we were defending him, and uh, we were saying that you know he will get better with time, and he needs regular playing time, etc. But he doesn't he doesn't make himself any favors, does he? Um, he was playing against Murcia, which is a team with all the respect they, you know, they tried their absolute best in front of the home crowd, they were hugely dedicated and they were, you know, it was the game of the season for them. Andre Gomez was rubbish. You know, he failed to impress either a defensive midfield or interior, which he played in the second part of the second half. Um, he just he just looked disinterested you know and uh it was his performance was in line with previous performances it really was as if he didn't want to be there you know as much as we can defend him i'm not sure that he believes himself that he's good enough to make the barca team and um as as we know if a player that has been signed for quite a significant amount of money i believe it was 35 million not this summer but the previous one Once you um, are in your second season and you're still waiting to take off, chances are very limited and I really don't know if if this is actually going to happen for him. Um, He should be much more eager to impress. You know, you got Arnaiz coming from the B team that virtually ate the grass in order to improve and if he had to jump off the goalpost with his head down, he would have done it. Andre Gomez just wasn't, you know. He, He really didn't look that bothered. In terms of the game himself and his performance, he took no risks whatsoever. Every ball that he was playing was simple to the side, you know, um, and if you're trying to replace Busquets, which to be honest, no one really can, um, Busquets does play like that as well, but then he interjects, you know, a couple of um, lopped balls towards Messi, or he, he, he tries something sort of driving forward himself before um, getting the wide pass to the winger, something a bit different, but Andre Gomez just, just was just going for the easy option every single time. He was low in possession to the point that the Murcia players were all over him, trying to get the ball of him and succeeding a lot of the times. Um, he just lacked vision. And, and, you know, when you're playing in that position, you want to see the whole pitch, but he just didn't seem to see anything much moving forward. He was not influential And I really am hoping for improvement, but You know, I don't know how much longer we can defend him for. Um, Let's just hope that his next performance when he's trusted, which to be honest, he is trusted quite a lot, considering the performance that he's delivering. Um, I'm just hoping for an improvement soon, and hopefully we can get behind him. But I'm finding it hard.
0: I've usually in the past disagreed with this idea that players need Barcelona DNA to work at the club, because I think a really, really good player... Can adapt their game and find ways to fit in but as I was watching the game against Real Murcia I was thinking the same thing that I still don't believe is when we defended him that he's a bad player but his final ball into the box or his his work into moving the ball in vertical ways and pushing it forward and you know taking those chances with balls over the top is just not his game and so he seems to me as Valencia was when he played for them to be part of a a team or succeed better of a team that has a more defensive mindset where he can use his long legs and his big frame to cut out attacks in the way that Busquets does, but then he doesn't have that game management in a possession style that Busquets does. He just is a guy that can shuttle basically box to box, and he just doesn't seem to fit in what Barcelona are trying to do. So again, yesterday... I don't think he was bad. I don't. He barely had a a bad step. He barely had a a misplaced pass. But none of his passes seemed to have any purpose, just because of the way that Barcelona were trying to play. And so, why I was worried at this before you said it that your answer was going to be Denis Suarez as the one whose stock went down. The more I thought about that too, I thought, well, Denis Suarez, who was playing really really well coming in at the wings, but also had that big strong appearance at the end of last month in the center of the midfield, he's a player that for some reason or another hasn't played now for 22 days. And so I don't really put the blame on him where if you have to wait three weeks to get your next appearance after playing really well, it might take you a game or two to find your rhythm again. But I can't say the same for Andre Gomez. So while Denise Suarez, I think there's still so much quality, he just needs to see that regular playing time. Gomez is a player that... I'm slowly, appearance after appearance, really being won over that he, not that he's being bad for the club, but that he doesn't fit at the club, that he just fundamentally as a player does not fit what Barcelona'd like to do in their midfield, and that there are certainly other players in the world who you could get for 20 million euro who probably fit the Barcelona system and style more than he does. Should we move on to El Chiasco?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, a little point on Denis Suarez. Um, he was the second candidate to be trading down this week. But um, I fully agree with what you said. Um, I thought that, you know, at the end of the day, he did provide an assist in the games against Murcia and he was just getting back into the team. So let's just let's just give him a little bit more time. And, you know, if you haven't played for that long, um, your confidence levels are naturally going to be down. But um, I'm expecting Denis to, to pick up soon.
0: Yeah, I would agree, too. I I really like what he's done so far, and I think he's a, a player that fits under Valverde, and I think Valverde just has to get the best out of him, and that's possible, too. So I would expect to see him a little more. And the other thing I would say, going back all the way to Arnetha's minutes for the first team, is that we saw Roberto yesterday come into the midfield, but by and large, with all the chances that Nelson Semedo takes, and again, still kind of finding his footing defensively for Barcelona and finding out what that chemistry with his teammates looks like. We've seen Roberto excel at the right-back position, so that leaves a few more minutes in the midfield for Denis Suarez, and i like to see him get a few more of those, or if it's not Arnath to come to the first team, then while Debele's still out, then as we've talked about many times, I hope that Denis Suarez can get that 10-15 minutes at the end of games, like I think he deserves in a way that Gomez just doesn't deserve. Anyway, to the El Kiosco. The first story we've got to go through, which I don't think we're going to spend any time on, Cristiano Ronaldo collected the FIFA Best Men's Player Award over Messi, who was named in the 11, along with Iniesta for the Best 11, as named by FIFA. And as we mentioned, we don't put a lot of stock in those. Of course, we're excited when Barcelona players win those awards, but I think a lot of different people and again this is a bias because this is the barcelona podcast so of course we're going to hope messi wins it but they say it is kind of a popularity contest and basically it's decided i think by international success so when portugal does well ronaldo does well when real madrid wins the Champions league that means you have to give it to ronaldo in the same way that if barcelona wins the champions league this year expect messi to get the trophy next year and that's just as simple as it is while it is individual it's also very team-based so if argentina wins the world cup you'd expect that Messi would sweep all the awards next year. I think that kind of says all you need to say.
1: It does. It really does. Um, I, I'm not bothered at all. You know, Messi has won the award five times and I wasn't bothered when he did. Obviously, I was happy for him. Um, this year, Ronaldo has won the best award, but he's just not the best player in the world right now, is he? I think that is pretty unanimous. Um, everyone knows that it's Messi because of the extra degree of magic and creativity and genius that he brings to the team. Uh, I'm not trying to discredit Ronaldo because he's obviously a fantastic finisher and he's taken his team to a lot of success in the previous season, which obviously is why he got the award, but I don't know, the best can only be one and that that's not Ronaldo, is it?
0: And you know that those two are just going to go back and forth just forever until they're both gone and out of the game and as I've mentioned before, those two alone have revolutionized the sport and what our expectations of what the top level looks like. And so while, again, on this podcast and for Barcelona circles, we can hate on Ronaldo all we want. He's a fantastic player, and it's no surprise when he takes home this. But, yeah, watching Messi game in and game out, you're just always surprised that he doesn't take home every award. But as I said, it's, I think, a team-based award. So it all depends on the success of Barcelona and Argentina for Messi. And in the same respect, it depends on Real Madrid and Portugal for Ronaldo. Well, speaking of the international game, Barcelona have a youth product in Abo Ruiz, who has made a few appearances for the B team this season. He most recently scored two goals, won a penalty in Spain's 3-1 win over Mali at the FIFA U17 World Cup, and they will now meet with England in the final. Sergio Gomez from the A team also showed well in the game, playing on the left side of the attack. And my thinking is, Frances, now that after he's showing at the World Cup, as excited as I am for the young player... He's only 17, as I mentioned. The fear now is that he, like many other young products recently, is going to get a little cold feet about believing he can get a spot in the first team. But I think for Abba the other teams that seem to want him, whether it's Premier League or La Liga, are those top teams that he's going to have a difficult time as well. So I hope he can see his future at Barcelona. And I think it's on the board right now and the technical staff to let him know what his track to the first team is, lay that out in a, a plan for him, and have him be able to set achievable goals every year for the next few years of his teenage years and then moving into his 20s and see that transition. Because as we talked about on the earlier show this week, which we recommend at tbpod.link backslash 44, where we went into detail a little more on Ruiz's game and what makes him the player that he is, being that number nine forward, he's something that... The academy doesn't normally produce, but we also have to have the belief, as we've been very critical of of what's happened with Semper or Munir or Sandro, where they haven't found that place in the first team. We have to believe that the academy is capable of producing these special, special talents. And right now, he looks like the best player at the U17 World Cup, particularly in front of net. And so Barcelona have to basically do everything they can to keep this player in a Blagrana uniform. By the time he gets to the first team,
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, we spoke about him at length in the previous episode. I know you just said that, but really, I think the the answer is going to be in much more depth in our previous episode at um, forward slash forty four. Um, but yeah, I think Abel is a, a different player. He is a taller, stronger player than La Masia products are normally. Um, he obviously is not a graduate yet, but it's only a matter of time until he does. Um, release clause is just three million euros, according to reports. And it is obvious that the player who is impressing the world at the under-17s level for three million is Una Ganga, which is um, a really, really good buy, potentially, for somebody else. Um, I'm really, I'm confident that, you know, he would see sense. He's developed at Barca for the last five years, um, was signed from Valencia when he was 12 years old um, after excelling in the Brunete Alevines tournament on you know which Canal Blues organizes in Spain um, every single summer and winter and that's when he came to us and uh, he's developed into a fantastic player and obviously he's world class within his age range and I really do hope that that develops into someone who can impress at first in Lebanon at Barca in I would say three four years time he should be with us already um, progression if he decides to stay I see it sort of parallel to Alanya obviously there are different different positions but I would say next next season um, establishing himself and um, Barca B obviously he's already um, part of the squad in there but establishing himself as, as a regular starter maybe as Arnaith pops up to the first team who knows and yeah between two three seasons um, training regularly with the first team and making substitute appearances whenever needed so I really do hope and do think actually that he's going to um, stay with us. He's already rejected offers from around the world, uh, major European teams such as you know the Manchester clubs, Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. So let's just um, let's just keep an eye on him and hope that he stays with us for years to come, so he can make an impact at first team level.
0: Well, a note back on a first team player, Jordi Alba still recovering and could play against Athletic Bilbao. But the question I'd pose to you then about this Jordi Alba story that he's again back in training after missing a few weeks. Lucas Dinier, who we were critical on for his appearance in La Liga and his appearance in the Champions League, where we didn't think he really found his footing, I thought he was really good against Real Murcia, and of course you do have to look at the level of opponent, but I thought Dinier found his footing. He seemed even like a leader. In that game and was very purposeful down the left side to the point where I was worried that Cucarella wasn't going to get a shot in for a debut because Dinier was having one of those games that he's just playing well and having that kind of confidence down the left side. And if he can take that confidence against Athletic Bilbao, this would be one of the biggest tests that we've seen Dinier get because Alba, he was injured a little bit last year, so Dinier featured, but Dinier doesn't really play into many competitions against the top of the La Liga table.
1: No, I agree. I think that Digne was great against Murcia, but the level of the competition, as you mentioned, is, is not was not fantastic as hard as they tried. Um, Alba, throughout the season, has been instrumental. He's been really, really influential. He didn't have a great final appearance, and um, the question that I keep asking myself is, was he already injured when he played that final game? Um, but, you know, we we'll never really found out, because we never really find out much from the Barca medical staff, do we? We really haven't heard much um, about Dembele since he's been off. And that is the way that the medical service works at Barca, but you know, a bit of an aside finish there. Um, I think Dinier could be a a great addition to the team um, over the weekend. Um, I don't know if he will start, it will depend on Alba's Alba's fitness and Alba's readiness to, to start the game in there. But I think either one of them should be able to do quite a good job. I still think Alba, when fit, is miles ahead of Dinier, but it's good to see that whenever rotation is needed and rested is, is provided, that he's ready to do a job.
0: Sounds good to me. So let's move on to La Ronda, which is our listener questions, of course. So the first question, and it's something we've kind of been talking about, but there's just a definitive answer for this one. FCB News asked, who will be in the first team first, Arnaith or Alenia?
1: I think Arnaith, based on the fact that he's older, he scored yesterday, and what his positioning. in is needed at the first team now. I think Arnaith is a clear clear winner in that question.
0: Real Marvlo asked on Twitter, how are the Loneys faring? And Frances, I've got this one covered. I will give a little update on the Loneys at this point. Of course, the guy you want to hear about first, Douglas, has made one start in the Champions League and one start in the Portuguese Cup for Benfica, playing 90 minutes in both. But clearly you can tell that he's just a squad player there, making just two starts on the season and not playing in the Portuguese League at all. So we'll see what happens with Douglas and whether or not he's sold on at the end of the year for Barcelona. The one people probably want to hear about, Marlon Santos, playing in France right now for Nice. He's appeared in four games in Ligue 1 and one game in the Europa League, with his last two starts coming in their last two games against Strasbourg in the league and Lazio in the Europa League. The most interesting thing that I've seen about Marlon Santos, though, in those four appearances or five total appearances... Is that Nice has played in both a back four and a back three. So Marlon Santos is getting experience playing in different kind of setups, and he's playing alongside experienced players like La Marchand. From just what we can see from afar without watching him week in and week out, it seems like his loan is starting to be successful and looks successful because Nice is also again not as good as they were last year in the League on Table and still having some success on the field.
1: As you mentioned, um I- and as you know, and listeners know, I don't necessarily like talking about players who I don't see for 90 minutes. And I really haven't seen Marlon play for the 90 minutes at all yet. But um, I've been watching a couple of videos in terms of um, highlights. And particularly when his team plays on a three back line, he has looked exposed at times. But to be honest, I think that all experience is good experience. And if he is struggling, which he clearly was in a couple of occasions when I watched him, Um, that's also good learning and he will learn from his mistakes and come back stronger. So I think that the mere fact that he's getting playing time at the highest level in the French league speaks wonders of um, the potential that he's got. And, you know, as long as he messes up away from the camp, no, I'm not too bothered. But I really do think that with playing time and with confidence will come success. So um, all the best to Marlon. As for Douglas, you know, um, I love him. And that's all I have to say on him.
0: Right, of course, we don't need to talk about uh, Lord Douglas again, but Marlon Santos, 22 years old, as a defender, he still has some room to grow, and hopefully he can do that in France. Moving on to Sergi Samper, he's still recovering from a muscle injury that has kept him out of the side at Las Palmas all season, and I think this is the one that kind of hurts, where Samper was christened since he was 14 years old to take the place of Sergio Busquets, and yet this injury comes at a terrible time for him after an unsuccessful loan at Granada last season. And for Samper and Las Palmas, just things not going well for either. With Samper not playing, maybe this is because Samper's not playing, but nevertheless, Las Palmas are 18th in the table in the relegation zone, not doing near as well as they did last season. And hopefully he'll get some experience with a side-facing relegation and having a job to do in a desperate side. Sometimes that is kind of a trial by fire for young players, but in the same respect... Maybe he won't get a shot because they're in a relegation fight and he's been out, didn't really feature much in preseason, and he just had a hard time of things, so... It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes back in a few weeks and whether or not he can find a place in the team. Or maybe he's even recalled in January and sent to a different club. Who knows? But again, just an unfortunate turn of events for Samper. Finally, it's Munir. Speaking of the relegation zone, playing for Deportivo Alves, where they're in 19th, one spot below Las Palmas. Munir has made seven appearances in the Liga. He has one goal and one assist. And when he does make his starts in the league, he's playing up top as opposed to on the wing, which he did for Barca. He plays basically as a number nine for the majority of his appearances. And he most recently featured in a loss to Real Batiste in La Liga, where his first touch kind of let him down. But he was hardworking, as we know he is. He can be creative. He has those flashes, but he's just not consistent enough. And Munir seems to be a player that went from wondering how we could get him minutes in the first team to being a player that you wonder how much money you'll get when you offload him. Just not a player that is able to fulfill that potential and an unfortunate thing again.
1: I agree. (laughs) Nothing to add.
0: Okay, great. So we'll move on to kind of a question, kind of not a question. NY Kule asked, the only other B-team player available was the goalkeeper Artola who didn't see time in the Real Murcia match. You have to give Sillison the entire 90 or risk unhappiness with your first team backup, he says. And to frame that as a question... What can you do about Sillison's minutes? It's exactly this, that I think he's a player that if Barcelona is going to definitively win their Champions League group, and I think he should be getting time in Copa del Rey. And Silicin while the Netherlands is not going to be the World Cup, so it's not like he's fighting for a spot to make the World Cup. He's still a goalkeeper with a lot of quality who deserves some appearances. And the bigger thing is, well, let's say you just offload Sillison and Ortola well, you know, he's been in the La Liga before, he could just be the backup. What happens if Ter Stegen suffers a long-term injury? And that's the whole point. That Sillison can stay on the bench, make lots of money, make occasional appearances if the player is happy to do so. He still has the number one keeper shirt for the Netherlands as they try to qualify for the World Cup in Euro. And Sillison is a player who has plenty of quality that if Ter Stegen were to go down... I would trust him as the guy between the posts in a way that I wouldn't a player like Ortola.
1: Definitely, I agree. I think that having Silesen in the squad adds that degree of quality that is needed in the case of um, eventual injury by Tej Stegen. Um, back to the question from a listener, I think that I would have played many more youngsters um, in the Copa del Rey. Um, I, I would have played Ortola from the start regardless. Um, I think that, you know... Silesen is not going to be very annoyed for not playing against Murcia. Um, you, you mentioned Cucurelia earlier. I think Cucurelia should have come in much, much earlier. I, I would have put him on from the start, to be honest. But if Digne has to play the first half, then at the halftime break, Cucurelia comes in. Um, I am aware that Valverde didn't call up any more players. But people like um, Uriol Busquets, for example, and the many players that we mentioned before, they should have been included in the, in the call-up. And they would have done a job uh, because... We're talking about Arnaith. we didn't talk about Alenya so much, but Alenya was tremendous as well. He just didn't score or assist in any of the goals, but he looked at home completely from the beginning of the match, and it is clear that all his potential and all the hype that has been going around Alenya throughout the season, and for, I would say, good four or five years now, uh, was fully justified. Um, obviously, he's got a longer journey in order to make it into the first team, but my, my, my point is that unless you've tried these youngsters and give them sort of that boost of confidence and reassurance by playing them in Copa del Rey, then when are you going to do it? I really do think it's a missed opportunity to have so many first-team players, like, say, André Gómez, etc., given time, when actually players from the Barça B are eager, desperate in order to prove their worth, and that would have done them a lot of good. But, you know, that's, that's what the manager decided. We have to support him.
0: And then final question, Frances. Chris Atala asks, thoughts on Valverde so far?
1: I think Valverde is getting fantastic results from a team that um, should still be under construction and still is under construction. So results, why? Very, 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 very positive. In terms of play, I think we need to give him more time to prove uh, what he wants to do, but quite positive as well. So out of 10, probably a 7 or an 8 out of 10.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that, too. We'll see what he can do against Bilbao. And as the matches get harder, as the year goes on, the biggest test for managers comes in April and May when it's time to capture La Liga, capture Champions League, and go for that Copa del Rey trophy. So we'll see what his first season looks like at the end of the year and give a a much more thorough report card. So anyway, that wraps it up. I hope you liked our new format. Please give us feedback on Twitter, Facebook, And give us feedback even on iTunes. Leave us a nice little review if you'd like, if you like the show. And again, we've got changes in our personal lives. And if you can help us out on Patreon as well, Patreon backslash the Barcelona podcast, you can help us at least make this one show better and better and better as we try to pull in more interviews and try to do new things. And moving forward for the show, if there's ever time we can get back to two shows, your help, your contribution, your listener questions in particular are all paramount to letting that happen. And again, we thank you for being with us on this journey as we continue to move into a new chapter. So that'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Barcelona podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No, Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Barca. Forza Barça.
1: Forza.